everybody, and welcome to a very exciting and special episode of Yahweh Reddit. Uh, my name's Laura. I'm one of the hosts. My name is Maggie, and I'm the other host. And this is very exciting for us because what we're doing today is we are reading the second prequel in the Maze Runner series. And much like the prequel we did last week, we have a very special guest joining us today. Uh, we have Arthur Howell, host of uh, Two Cent Critic, where uh, Maggie and I have guested before. Uh, so Arthur has, has come into our domain uh, to read this book with us and really dissect it. Arthur, welcome. Hello, hello, everybody. Yes, I'm Arthur Howell from Two Cent Critic. And I'm glad to be here. Very, very exciting. Thank you for having me on. And we've we've already been on a podcast in, in the past because I had, yeah. you know, I had two I had two hosts here on my show to talk about the Midnight Library by Matt Haig, and then they came back to discuss You by Carolyn Kepner, specifically the book, the first book in the series, mm-hmm. not the not the Netflix show, mm-hmm. the book. So it was, it was fun. Pretty thing. exciting. Arthur and I have already talked about the trailer for you, part one. And Arthur, I don't know if you know this, but part one comes out on my birthday hey. on Netflix. Yeah. It's it's the greatest gift Netflix could have gotten for Maggie this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did it. Um, but, um, Arthur, so I know you've read some of the Maze Runner books previously, and you obviously read this one for this podcast, but what is your experience with Maze Runner? Well, Maze Runner was, uh, it, it was, a, you know, a young adult dystopian book uh, series that I was diving into back when, uh, it was a few years ago, back when I was exploring other books like, you know, like, like, uh, The Hunger Games, you know, Legend by Mimi Liu, Divergent, you know, all of those. And then I was, I was diving into, into this as well. And it was, you know, I found it to be, you know, pretty, I feel like pretty fun, even though I feel like looking back at the series, it's kind of like, yeah, you know, so it's like, it's definitely a very YA book series, very dystopian, yeah. very tropey, oh, yeah. if you really want to break it down. And sometimes I'm just like, <laughs> you know, certain tropes, they just really bug me, like the way that Thomas gets, gets treated, and it's like, you're not giving him any yeah. information, and the way the plot unfolds, you know? Yeah, Maggie and I, uh, Maggie and I say James Dashner suffers from author who got a movie deal and then just starts writing just insane action plot points, um, which is what we saw in the Death Cure and especially the Kill Order. A little less in this book, but I would argue there's still a lot of just like unnecessary, like flary action scenes that go through. <laughs> yeah, this definitely was a wrap up to the whole series, and in that sense, there were a lot of plot points moving in. Like, we got, obviously, a lot of Maze Runner, the initial backstory. And then a yeah. bit of Scorch Trials, not much of Death Care, but I think they would expand on things that they um, had written in so many subplots. So yeah. it was very interesting. A lot of yeah. information. Yeah, my my like initial like summary of it is like this book answered a lot of questions, but also created like a lot more that I did not have um, after reading the initial trilogy. I was like, okay, kind of cool. I, I like I, I get we're getting an explanation for like this thing, but mm-hmm. now I have a question about this, which is a new thing for me to think about. So I think in James Dashner's efforts to kind of like close his loop a little bit he ended up just kind of creating like a second lap around the circle. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. um, I've got, I've got more things that I'm thinking about in questions. Like why the fuck did Lizzie have to be a character? And like, what was that 
purpose and all of that. So I'm excited to talk about this with y'all because I got thoughts. I was intrigued by that, actually. I gotta say. Yeah, I was intrigued by it too, but then I it didn't really pay off at all, in my opinion. Like it really just um it was like introduced and I was like, that's cool. And then like and then it was just kind of like, and we're still focusing on Talamus. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, speaking of Lizzie, let's get into the prologue because that is actually where we meet Lizzie. Um, Lizzie and Newt, they are brother and sister, and we get a little slice of life moment where it's snowing outside and it's kind of a happy day, but it's not really a happy day because the government is uh, shows up at their house. Oof, not good. Not good news. And what happens here is that um, the Wicked essentially comes because Lizzie is immune. They kill both of uh, Lizzie and Newt's parents in this process. Um, and they're like, he's not immune, but we got to take him with us anyway. He'll be a variable in the test. Um, and that's and then the prologue ends and we move to Thomas's point of view and Thomas being taken by Wicked. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was an interesting way to introduce this book. Um, I think my first big question is we later learned that obviously everybody gets a, a new name when they join Wicked. So yeah. um, Lizzie becomes Sonia, who is a, a minor character in the other books, like really, really minor. But yeah. Newt is still referred to as Newt in the prologue and then also after the prologue. So like, did they not give him a name? Oh, you're right. Okay. I got more questions after that. I- <laughs> okay, I'll admit I didn't catch on to that, which is strange. <laughs> and I was like, well, wait. So if he had a name Newt before he, he was captured, and then. So that's a big plot hole right there. <laughs> yeah. Why did you, it was pretty, pretty weird. Yeah, I don't know. So something, something for all of us to keep thinking about because we're never going to get an answer. Well, I know. But we there do is learn- a maze cutter, though. Keep that in mind. The maze cutter. That's the whole sequel yeah, to the to the series, which takes that's place true. I think like seventy three years after the events of Death Cure. I think it's on an island too, not a maze. Ooh. We discussed it briefly last night, but yeah, yes, maze yeah. cutter did just come out. Um, yeah. We get we learn about Thomas's first name, uh, which was he previously was Stefan, and he's fi- fighting with a Randall uh, Spilker, which maybe you remember from. The last book we talked about, he was a part of the post-Flare Coalition. Oh, he was? Uh, I did not catch on to that. <laughs> he was the one that was um, sharing the emails about them oh, releasing the Flare. Good catch, Meg. Thank you. Pretty crazy. And he's like, here, your name is Thomas, buddy. And he does yeah. not let him forget. Yeah. Really and um, things, they end up conditioning no, him no, no. To, to forget his old name. Um, and through just torture tactics, which I thought was a little much for a five-year-old to go through. Um, I get it was supposed to be like edgy and cool, but I was like, James Dashner, you are torturing a literal child right now. Fine. I don't think this is the kind of edgy you're, we should be, you know, striving for in the world of sci-fi dystopian YA. <laughs> yeah, he was five. Wow. I thought he was like, well, like seven or eight or something like that, but... That, uh, in, in any case, well, yeah, because when they go into the maze, it's they're 16, and they say, like, when they're going in after like 10 years after getting there, so right. it's like he's like five, six in this scene, <laughs> they're yes. so young, you're enduring yeah. all of this pain, right? <laughs> I know, could you even imagine? 
You, you probably don't even know your colors by five. I mean, you do. Yeah. You probably don't. Maybe. Yeah. And I will say, speaking of this whole, like, they are children doing this, I don't think James Dastron knows how to write children because they all, like, just seem like they're the same age throughout this. Like, they're forming, like, these full thoughts and questions. And I'm like, I get they're, like, gifted children, but I don't think that they'd be, like, as deductive as they are in conversations with adults. No, probably yeah. not. Yeah. But Thomas's life is pretty boring here at Wicked. They take his blood yeah. every week. They check his brain. He takes some math and puzzle solving classes. Um, and he's got history, which their history is just learning about the Flares Information Recovery Endeavor, which came before the Post Flares Coalition. I don't. He doesn't really like to pay attention in yeah. class. But the yeah. sum of it is, he's been here for two years now, and he is very alone and bored. Yeah, and time passes really weird in this book because each chapter has, like, the date and year at the top of it. Um, But then it uh, just kind of will suddenly just go forward a a couple of years or a few months or a few weeks. And so sometimes it's kind of hard to really figure out where we are in this timeline without them explicitly stating it, in my opinion. I don't know how Mm -hmm. you guys felt about that. It was was a lot of meetings with the wicked people, which... I never knew what time it was unless they were like, it was years since that event passed. Yeah, right. Um, But they do have a meeting with Chancellor Anderson, um, and he tells them that big times are coming. Um, And um, we also learned that Dr. Page, who is going to inevitably become uh, Chancellor Ava Page from the original trilogy, um, she tells Thomas that she's going to be working with him a lot more. And Thomas is excited because he actually really likes her. Uh, it is said that uh, Ava Page is his favorite person at Wicked. So, like, that's nice. Well, it, it works like that. But then it's like, well, obviously we know how she's going to turn out. So, right away, I was like, nah, you're sus, you know. I don't <laughs> I don't trust you. Also, I texted picture yeah. of Patricia Clarkson from the movies. Is who? Patricia Clarkson. She plays, uh, she plays Paige in the, in the Maze Runner movies. So I did. Oh, that's so interesting. You know, Nate was saying that Nate was our friend who was on um, our Kill Order episode. And he was like, in the, because like in the books, Ava Page is just like a character that's referenced. She's never seen, but she's like an actual full character in the movie. So now Maggie and I are like, we got to watch these movies so we can yeah. get like the full, the full scoop, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So poor kid, he's like seven at this point. They're saying it might be a year before he sees anyone else besides uh his new buddy, Dr. Page. And one day Dr. Page is uh after classes kind of wakes him up and it's this new guy that's escorting him. So it's Dr. Page isn't there anymore. And Dr. they say Levitt this time. Dr. Levitt, we don't like this guy. I honestly by by halfway through the book I was like, oh the doctor names don't really make sense unless it's Dr. Page. So there's just too many, too many characters. <laughs> well, Levitt's the street that I'm closest to where I live. So I remembered that. And he is escorting him down the hall when he sees a kid with a bandage on his head and the kid's name is Mino and he's like don't let them do it to you it hurts as like personnel is trying to escort him away so whatever Thomas is about to get into is not good yeah and Thomas he's a little nosy Nelly he gets into his hospital room and it's like one of those like hospital curtains that separates two beds and he rips open the other one and finds Newt uh, who also has the same, uh, I pictured like a very comical cartoon bandage just like wrapped around their heads. Um, and they're like, hey, kid, you stop that. And then they sed- sedate him essentially to get him ready for this. Yeah. 
Oh man, so, so he's having some dreams. Yeah. So <laughs> these poor kids, I mean, they are just not having a good time here. You know, no. it's like, do you? I would rather maybe take my chances with the cranks outside, but I don't mm-hmm. know. They're both. They're both tough. Um, Wicked cranks. Yeah. Yeah, the lesser of two two um, horrible um, futures, I guess. <laughs> he it is kind of nice when he's getting his brain tampered with here, though, because he has some dreams about him and Teresa being friends, and mm-hmm. he wakes up to Doctor Page being like, "Since you were such a good boy, we have a little surprise for you soon, and you get to interact with a girl." And he's like, "Yes!" <laughs> so excited, love it. so eager. Yeah. Right. Um, so him and Teresa hang out and I will say this exchange was, um, kind of my favorite because Teresa's like, um, uh, in my opinion, a lot cooler than Thomas. Uh, she's immediately like going to a doctor being like, did seven kids actually die with those brain implants you gave us? Yeah, Teresa is a very, she's a very astute, um, like individual. Cause she's also like, do you hear other kids laughing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Teresa's just like, I I, like, after reading this book, I was like, Teresa was always like a little like four steps ahead of Thomas. Um, And I think that's what made her way more smart than uh, than him because Thomas was like, it took him until like the the way later in the book that he was like, wait a minute, I think Wicked isn't gonna stop doing these tests and it's like yeah thomas but yeah obviously what did you think even in the whole series <laughs> Teresa was the one who was always like knowing everything you know because she was like the one who was knowing about wicked and secretly working behind everyone's backs and being like oh, i know all the info yeah. oh man okay wait arthur so you've read these books are you a team Teresa or a team brenda i'm so curious uh i i feel like i I, I lean a little more strongly towards Teresa, admittedly. Even okay, though, okay. Even though I feel like, I, I feel like, you know, there were times when I was maybe rooting a bit more for Brenda, but I feel like I was just, and at the end of the day, always leaning a bit more towards Teresa, even though there were some moments where, I, I know, I felt hurt, you know, when she, when she was betraying, you know, her, her, her friends, and it's just like, oh, it's painful that you did yeah. that. Yeah. There's a lot of reason to like Teresa. One of them she brings up here, which is that she's ridden in a flat trans. Thomas hasn't done that yet, but Teresa's really cool. We're never going to ride in a flat trans. And she also indicates that she was Dee Dee from the last book. Yeah, which we know is confirmed at the end of the last book in the second prologue or epilogue that Maggie and I didn't actually read. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Oops. Oops. Um, She's thinking that there's this trigger switch in her brain that she keeps trying to pull. And she's like trying to convince, it's like her and Thomas are that Spider-Man meme pointing at each other because Thomas thinks he's getting headaches because of the flare. And she's like, do I sound insane right now? I think there's a switch in my head. And he's like, you know what? No, you don't. I will also like meditate and explore my brain for this switch um, before the next day which it seems like there's something's going down because dr levitt wakes up and he's like it's time to show you guys something yeah yeah and this is where he takes them to where the mazes will inevitably go and he's like you two are gonna help us build this maze and i get this was supposed to be like a maze origin story but my issue became like okay i get we're trying to like you know but build a containment zone for like people to test their brain patterns but why does it have to be a maze 
specifically? Like, was there like a board meeting where they were like, well, what if we just like put them on an island? Or what if we just put them in like a a, a, a room with windows in it and no exits or something? Like, why did it specifically have to be a maze is my big, big question. It just feels so mysterious, yeah. I guess. You know, like with because the way Wicked yeah, works, it's like, oh, so. we've got all these variables and we need to use them, you know, to work the experiment and test them out, see which one helps us get closer and closer to the solution of, you know, creating a cure for the flare. So I feel like that's always like the, you know, so, oh, like if they're doing anything, it's because, oh, it's a variable, you know. Exactly. Yeah. I think that was a cop out way for us to be like, well, we can do anything because it's a variable. But I would also argue that they probably should have like intermixed these groups. So it wasn't just like all boys here, all girls, because I feel like they would have gotten even more like um, variables if they got some hormones involved cross sectional. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, you're right. Like introduce them at the time like puberty starts. Oh my I'm God, could very you curious. You separate them for like ever so they hardly see a girl or a boy their age. And then you're like, great, now that you're a teenager, here's a world where you meet another another person that you might be interested in. That That's a book I'd read. Yeah, I feel like there's way too much teasing. trust in these kids. Very intriguing. <laughs> but even then, it's like, but see, now here's the thing. I also wonder, like, where's, where's like the queerness happening? Because even if it's just a boys group or a girl group, like where is like any like any queer Yeah. That is so funny because I was literally thinking that when I finished this one of like like when Teresa goes up in the maze and they're like, I call dibs on the girl. I'm sorry. And maybe it's just because I'm like like you would think like they're sixteen. I feel like something would happen in one of the groups. Something. Yeah. I, I definitely think that's on James Dashner not to address because I really think that at least yeah. it is or like more. I know. I now now it really makes me intrigued to see yeah. like the maze the maze cutter because I feel like what if he, now that that one came out in like the actual like twenty twenties, like Maybe he did be like, and now there's gay characters here. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, well, I, we'll find out one day. So they're talking about the maze and say that it took them four years to make. They show them the bare bones of what they have so far. Yeah. And they're asking questions, but they're getting kind of like really vague responses mm-hmm. from the Wicked personnel, which is just that it's going to be like a testing so- zone. And more specifically, that it is Wicked and Teresa and Thomas's little secret. And there's two others from the other group, the the girl group, that they will not intermingle. Aris yeah. and Rachel, who will help too. Yeah. And um, Thomas that night decides that he's going to see if his door unlocks. He's going to be a bad boy for once. Okay. Um, And he's surprised to find that his door does in fact unlock because he was under the impression that it was just like locked every night. And he was like, oh, I guess I'm not as much of a prisoner as I thought. Um, And while he's roaming, um, he ends up running into Newt immediately. And Newt's like, oh, go wake, uh, go wake up your, the, the girl, Teresa. And come to my hiding spot. So he gets to meet Albie and Mino in a little maintenance room in the basement. Um, and they go hang out there at night when they're bored. Yeah. I really love this moment because this is when Newt just decides to hijack the whole situation. It's like, I really think we need to show him group B first. I think it's really important. And the guys are like, what? And Thomas is, they're like, just go with it. Just go with it. And that's where yeah. we meet. Newt likes to go just kind of watch his sister sleep. Okay, stalker. <laughs> it's sad, That's though. so it's, mean. It's really sad. 
it is really sad but it's also weird because it's like are there just like because like they have clearly like a window that they're watching through and they see like all of these people sleeping so it's like is it just a window that anybody can get to? Like, did they go outside? Like, where did they actually go find this window looking into this room? You know, I oh thought, my god, the, I yeah, thought, yeah. I thought it was just like a window where, it's like, oh, for some reason they found a secret passage and they can only and, only nice. they can look through it. But I never you never you bring it up. It's like, oh, did, did anyone else have access to that window? Yeah, right. I also really love this moment because this is when Newt is like. Um, you know, they changed my name and I will never remember mine, but I'll remember Sonia's. It's Lizzie. That's my sister. And when, which we just called out in the epilogue, his name was always cute. <laughs> yeah, that is, that does yeah, yeah, so, uh, to my brain. No. So funny. Um, but then they keep meeting up at nights. They have like actual friends, which is cool for them. Um, and one night they're like, hey, let's go up the ladder and go outside because it's cold out and we're going to break the rules. Um, so they go outside and they get busted immediately. The guards are like, what the hell, y'all? We've been watching you like it was fine that you were sneaking around to hang out. We don't care. But you can't go outside. There's dangers outside. <laughs> Yeah, they are like, we, we don't want you to escape because we know that you guys are like, oh, I don't know, we we kind of left that headquarters and we saw some some waves crashing against rocky cliffs and the world looked nice. So, you know what, we're going to teach you a little lesson and we're going to show you that actually we are protecting you from the cranks and this is where we go down to the crank pit. <laughs> Hooey. <laughs> Hooey. Quite, uh, quite a fighting time. Yeah, yeah. So they go inside this like tunnel, um, and there is just a group of cranks that like are basically separated by like a little like you know wall barrier thing like that, and they just go, "Hey, you are all immune. Go on in, mingle with the cranks." Which like kind of fun, kind of like when you have a different school come to your school dance. <laughs> they uh, they end up finding a single crank with a chalkboard. How we got it, we don't know. But uh, he's holding a wicked is good sign. Um, and he's like, hey, I'm a crank with a chalkboard. Come on and talk to me. And they're like, okay, Mr. Crank. And then Do you think they did that democratically? Like, how did they elect who gets the chalkboard? Do they have elections? What is it? They threw a single chalkboard and like a pack of chalk and they went, fight for it, God. It really sounds like you wonder like yeah, where to get it. And of course I also like, feel like why does he have it? Because like my initial thought was like, oh, this crank like can't speak, so he has like a, a board to write things on. But then he's talking to them completely normally. So I'm like, then where did, why are we? I feel like it adds a dramatic flair into the scene. And I also feel like this is definitely, yeah. definitely the kind of moment where it's like, oh, look at this homage. Look at this. You know, we're making a reference to something in the series. You know, it's a wickedest god yeah. motto. Oh, yeah, because it does say wicked is good on it. Yeah, yeah. Which, um, did this crank write it? We don't know. But we do learn this crank is a very important guy. His name is John Michael. He actually created the Post-Flare Coalition. And he's got a lot of emotions going yeah. from crying to angry. Yeah, um, he, was, he also was the former chancellor. And that is important because it also helps us understand that, like, even the mighty can fall victim to this uh, disease. 
Um, but John Michael, he goes from zero to a hundred, back to fifty, back to zero to a hundred. He ends up choking Mino for little to no reason, and these nine, eight, nine-year-olds have to fight an adult, which again makes me question that James Dashner forgot that he was writing a book about children. Okay, but here's the thing. I forgot. At yeah. this point, at this moment, I remember thinking they were probably like around 11 or 12 years old. But now that you're reminding me, they're oh, not. they were only like eight or nine. It's like... They're like eight. Okay. Yeah. Could you imagine like a third grader and being like, hey, third grader, go in with a bunch of crazy adults that want to eat you. And then they're like... Then one of the crazy ones is starting to just fight a pack of eight-year-olds, and the eight-year-olds are somehow doing well? Like, are you joking? Yeah, Albie somehow tackles this guy. Right? right. Like, Albie weighs 80 pounds. What can he do? And then to really add insult to injury, they shoot John um, because he got the flare uh, when Wicked is escorting the kids out. Um, and this this really shakes them up a bit. Yeah, the guards are like, okay, this punishment escalated too quickly. Yeah, again, with the little kids there, and now you've got Randall doing the whole, like, mercy killing on Ron yeah. Michael. Yeah. They, the kids fall into an existential crisis, specifically Thomas, who is now being like, are they lying to me about being immune? I mean, the cranks really shook him up. It, and yeah. he wakes up with a bad headache, some stomach pains. Yeah. And the guards are like, hey, you're not allowed to hang out with like those people for a couple more years. So now he's all alone again. And that's such a bummer. But luckily, at his saving grace, Teresa has learned how to talk to him in his head. And she's like, I'll teach you how to do this later. Um, if you can hear me banging on the walls, let me know. And he does. So it's not all bad. <laughs> but then he doesn't learn it. Like, we don't really see him learning it. There was a flashback, I think, in book one um, about, like, Teresa, like, like helping him learn it. Um, but, uh, we kind of just leave off with him being like, uh, like Tracy being like, I'll help you. And then the next chapter is like a year later, Thomas had mastered telepathy. And I was like, well, okay, we're just skipping forward. That's fine. It's just a um, but, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they're, they are building the maze at this point too. So they're, they're kind of knee deep in their, in their efforts and they're really coming into their own. Yeah. Uh, so it's been a while since Thomas and Teresa have seen their friends. And luckily, Teresa has figured out how to trick the security cameras with a loop so that they can break out and go see their buddies. But as they're going to see their buddies, they run into a small kid crying in the hallway, and it's Chuck. Yeah, yeah, he's new. Um, and he ends up, you know, coming to hang out with Mino, Newt, and Albie. And uh, Mino's like forget the new guy plot point i'm gonna escape so like we kind of get another added dose in here <laughs> oh poor chuck never has his time to shine uh, you know he and, oh, and it broke my heart yeah, sorry go ahead oh go ahead arthur i'm gonna say that it broke my heart when he first showed up because it's like oh no i know right? i know about your fate you know and it's very it's very emotional even though i i oh i mean he, he sacrifices sacrifices himself for, for Thomas. Yeah, yeah, no, it's like, Chuck's death was really, really sad and very unexpected, 
Um, and I like I even had even read the book previously and I forgot that happened. And I was like, oh, damn, I forgot. This is so sad. So even like seeing him back, I totally agree with you, Arthur. I was like, oh, damn, it's really like sad that they're like, he's like all our little brother and he's still going to just like need a horrible, horrible death. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the means of which he will die, the maze, is coming together. Yeah. Bad and news uh, for Chuck. But Mino, but Mino also is like, oh, by the way, there's another new kid, Gally, um, and he's going to help me escape tomorrow night. Um, mm-hmm. So Mino's got a whole plan that we don't know the details of. We just know it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I cannot believe that Teresa and Thomas have not brought up the fact that the maze is a thing to them at this point yeah i feel like i would like right i feel like if i was a child that uh really couldn't you know have a fully matured brain i'd probably just be telling people everything i did during the day you know i'd be like yeah we're building these mazes because they say they're gonna test everybody isn't that wild yeah but keep in mind oh yeah these kids are written to be apparently older than we think they really are and so i guess thomas and Teresa, those are gonna act you know more precociously and be more secretive, I guess, you know, according to how James Baxter writes them. Their dialogue is very um, mature and advanced. (laughs) Yeah. They also keep utilizing these kids, especially, like, Teresa and Thomas, uh, for tasks that are, like, way beyond them. I, I mean, what, they're nine right now, and they're trying to have them create an optical illusion that makes the walls in the maze look bigger than they are, and yeah. also trick them with a sky in the maze yeah. at this moment. And Which how the technology crazy. works, we don't know, but we just know these 10-year-olds have figured it out. <laughs> They figured it out. Mino's got plans to escape. I mean, they all they all got stuff that is cooking in their brains. All yeah, yeah. Doctor Pete. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh. He Thomas is woken up in the middle of the night almost immediately after learning about Mino's escape. Um. And they're they brought him to like their like little surveillance room, and they're like, "Hey, we need to teach you a lesson." Because Mino escaped, which doesn't really make sense because Thomas didn't say he wanted to escape, nor was Thomas entertaining the idea of it. But but Mino, a 10-year-old boy, is tied to a chair and has been beaten up already, apparently. And they uh, decide to introduce the monster from the first book, The Griever, um, and just have it like slink around Mino's body. And uh, Thomas just gets to watch Mino scream his head off. Um yeah, it's really, it's too much. It's, again, it's too much because it's a it's a 10-year-old. This is one of the most frightening scenes yeah. in the book, I, I think. Right? Right? It's, like, it's kind of just, like, chilling that I'm just, like, I feel like I would be, like, less distressed if it was, like, a 30-year-old man. But it's, like, it's a literal child. The way it's written, too, is, like, mist is pouring out of this holding cell that the Griever is in as it opens slowly. And just horrifying all around as it like has Mino in its grasp. And the only way that these people will stop is like Thomas is having a full on breakdown and the whole, and then when, once he's like, please, I'll do anything. The griever stops and the people are like, interesting. We will record your empathy as a really good tool. Yeah, But for the record, we weren't going to let anything bad happen to him. And Thomas is like, well, how was I supposed to know that? And then they go, we have to show this to Rachel, Aris, and Teresa too. And it's like, Aris and Rachel weren't even, don't even know who Mino is. Like, what are we doing? 
And it's hey, ridiculous. I mean, I get it. When you're a when you're a performer and you got a good routine, you want to show other people. I get it. Very true. <laughs> milk it, milk it all. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but uh, needless to say, this this really fucks Mino up. Like, he doesn't go and see them at night for a year. Albie just tells Thomas that uh, Mino's different now. It should um, be. Which makes sense because he's literally, right? Like, he's yeah. traumatized. He's seen so much. And even like, so now leader, it's just Albie. He was so, oh, like, so. Even like when, when, whenever I read about, read about them in the books, and they have like oh like the blade or like the other metal instrument coming yeah. out of the small cow sized yeah. bodies. Yeah, yeah. I, I, would, I would argue a griever is even like scarier than all of like those creatures that they had in the Hunger Games. Like I think the griever might be the scariest one because like I'm thinking of like Hunger Games. We had those Cracker Jacks. We had the mutt, like the the dog mutts with like the people's eyes, and like that was scary. Yes. But the grievers were like they're like they're like next level. <laughs> I mean, I thought the mutts were pretty scary. That's like a mutts were pretty face. scary. Like they're they're really close. They're really really close. So much. It was also. <sighs> Arthur, how did you, like, picture the Grievers? Because I kind of, I know I kept saying the size of a small cow, but I kind of pictured it as, like, a slug that would... I think it was just a giant slug. Yeah, basically. It was, okay. it was like, a, a slug-like creature. And I, I, I've i seen glimpses of how they look like in the movies, but I've never seen the movies. I, I, don't, I don't even know, like, have a clear... I don't, I don't have a clear picture of what they look like in the movies. But I'm focusing mm-hmm. on the books and how they're written. And yeah, more like a slug, just like this, like this, you know, giant, like not giant, but like a small cow size, grayish slug. With like, yeah, like the, mm-hmm. it's like spears, right? Those spears, I think some chainsaws, maybe. Mm-hmm. Generally, metal appendages coming yeah. out of their bodies, and they're always, and even it's always yeah. a small cow. That is all. That's always used as like a size comparison. I remember that. Description. Yeah. Small cow. Yeah, because I will say, Arthur, I remember, like, even the first time I read this book and the second time, like, because there's parts of the Grievers that are steel, and I couldn't get over, like, the size of a small cow, so I really just pictured, like, a really menacing mechanical bull as a Griever, Um, and and in this book, it's described more as a worm, which I get now, but in the first book, I would argue that you could make a a deduction that it is just a mechanical bull that attacks them. (laughs) It it's revealed that these grievers were something that were made by the government and even worse news, Dr. Page tells Thomas that they're sending people into the maze and Thomas is kind of piecing together that um, maybe these grievers will be something that they're going to have to go up against if they're sending yeah. people into the maze. But we also get a scene of Thomas just like hanging out in the forest and being really proud of his work in the maze and being like, I'm really excited that my friends are going to get to hang out here. It's going to be so awesome. I think they're going to like this forest just as much as I do. And Thomas is like, for somebody who's supposed to be like their smartest person that they have, the fact that he can't piece together that this is a part of like a more like sinister motive is a little strange to me. Yeah, that was odd. It's like, yeah, oh are you catching on to the details here? And granted, I guess that maybe that's how like the plot is supposed to work. Like, oh, Thomas is meant to be a little oblivious yeah. to everything. But it's, it, it leaves the reader, i.e. me, going, well, Thomas, I'm catching on to all of these details, but you're not. 
It is so funny how stupid they make him look. And then it's like always him and Teresa working on the maze. Like in this, in this moment, they're trying to cover up the griever hole together with some optical illusion. And it's, it's always her doing all the work. And then Thomas is happy about his work. And she's like, it's kind of crazy to think how many kids are going to die in this maze, right? Yeah, yeah. And he's just like, no, they wouldn't do that. Right? <laughs> like, oh, like, Thomas. Um, There is a really cute scene as we're, like, really quickly approaching, like, the maze day that Thomas and Teresa do team up to help Newt say goodbye to his sister, which is really cute. Yes. Um, Not much happens before that. They just have a meeting with Ramirez and some other people about how they're going to become elite candidates and liaisons between the groups, which is is uh, even worse because Ramirez then introduces them into group B um, mm. and they're not going to be popular. They're like coming in being like, hello, we have these two kids who are more special than the entire group. Yeah, that we like more than you all. Isn't that fun? <laughs> Again, I yes. think so purpose as a variable, probably, you know? Yeah, right. And then Thomas is like, well, that was pretty embarrassing, and introduces Newt to his sister. Which, yeah. hey, I mean, being VIP's got some perks, clearly. Teresa sets this whole thing up. Thomas is like, Newt, let's go see your sister. Yeah. They got status. Yeah, and Newt literally says, like, I I it wasn't exactly word for word, but he also says like, he, he basically says what he said the first time he saw Lizzie is like, I will never let them, I forgive them for taking you away from me. And it's like, no, we know we already heard this from you. Um, but um, the, the next day, the chancellor does tell um, Teresa, Thomas, Aris, and Rachel that like, Hey, you elites. Um, just a heads up, a crank is missing from our pit. We were doing a little crank count and uh, one's missing. So um, we did our little crank lineup and we, yeah. we played we Duck Duck Juice. I'm going to the crank bits being like, roll call. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I, 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 um, I, I forget, was there a specific way that they could track all of them? Like, was it like, oh, we have, like, it's a tracking of chance? Or was that not, not explained? I forget. I don't think it was explained how they know, like, how they figure out the cranks are there or okay. missing. But did they do, like, like, a roll call or something like that? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like, I do love the idea of a head count, and they just yeah. make one, two... I, but I also like picture it almost like a, as like if you were like a farmer and you had a bunch of like cows in a pen that you'd have to just like sit with a clipboard being like one two oh that one moved okay start over one <laughs> two oh no that one moved again I already counted that one okay one two. <laughs> oh my gosh yeah and then they also okay so not only are one of the cranks missing they think there's an outbreak among wicked personnel which again is just deductive reasoning on their behalf yeah They're but it's like, like it, if they're thinking it, it's already happened. That's just kind of how the, the way this virus works. Um, but but now it's the day. The day has come for the maze to start. And they're sending 40 from Group A and 40 from Group B into the maze. And everybody, this is a very, very big plot uh, hole. Because in the actual Maze Runner book, it is said that Mino has been there the longest of all of them because he was in the initial group that arrived. And now in this book, 
Nino, Galley, Albie, Newt, they're all going in at the exact same time, which doesn't make sense with the actual um, lore of the first book and what was explained. Wow. Um, so I'm calling, I'm that calling James out because that's, that's an easy plot hole to just to include, you know, like, wow. why would you, why, why are we doing this? So I digress, but I just really, I, I'm very passionate about the, the plot holes when you are doing prequels. I get yeah. prequels are hard, but you shouldn't forget where you came from. <laughs> exactly. Yes, yes. I, it's also yeah. important to note they're pushing the maze trials up to last two years instead of five and making the variables harder. Mm-hmm. It's just crank it all up, you know? It's just make yeah. it all more intense. Yeah, put that dial to 100, right? Yeah, and oh, this is a pretty, when they're about to go into the maze, it's a pretty sad scene because, you know, Thomas's friends turn on him. Mino's like fighting him, like, you guys aren't even going in. You don't even know what's going on. Galley runs up to them asking for help. Um, and then Thomas feels possessed by Wicked, as we know, they will take over your brain to say, there's nothing he can do. I would also hate that guy. Sorry. Right? Like, right. Uh, Honestly, I I wonder if like Thomas was like a kind of a person that they were like, we need to get close to him because he has intel on Wicked, but we're all going to like make fun of him behind his back. Yeah. yeah, Understandably frustrating for the other kids to be like, oh, Thomas being a jerk here. And and of course, it reminded me of even like when Gaddy also had his own brain, you know, controlling him. And of course, you know, in the first book, script tonight. It is hard, too, because it's like up until this point, they don't know that they can really control their brain. They just think that they're monitoring it. So he just doesn't yeah. know what is happening. But he really wants to keep a close eye on his friends. So he asks Dr. Page. Well, actually, Dr. Page asks him if he wants the day off so he can watch his friends in the maze. And this is kind of uh, where he's realizing that his friends have no idea where they are because yeah. their memories have been swiped. You know, Thomas is like, yeah, that'll make me feel better to see them really taking the work I did on this maze. <laughs> um, and these poor kids are like just freaking out because they don't remember anything. They don't know what's going on. Um, and Thomas Mino's climbing a wall. Yeah. And people are cheering Mino on, which I thought was very funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, yeah, Come on, right? You got it. Um, but then Mino's like, this is this is too high. We can't we can't keep doing this. Imagine that is their only activity in there, is just people climbing the vines. <laughs> Probably. Instead of a maze, it's just a rock climbing wall. <laughs> yes. Um, but uh we get a lot of scenes of him um just watching bits and pieces of the maze as this book continues. Um, but Chuck does become Thomas's assistant as he's taking in days of the maze and things like that. Um, and Chuck's having fun with it. There is a really slapstick comedy scene that comes after this where they're sending this boy, Zart, first of all, his name's Zart, up into the glade. And they're having, like, difficulty putting him in the box because they forgot to build a door in the box. So it's like the nurses have sedated them and they're trying to, like, feed him Please over the edge. Yeah. And they actually drop him it was, in the it was, box. It was such a funny scene. It was amusing. Yeah. Surprisingly amusing. Um, and yes. like that. I yeah, I agree. That name. I, <laughs> right, I agree. I, I wish know. there was kind of just like more dumb scenes like that in this book to just kind of like just add like a different layer of tone that you're not expecting. 
Because, like, it is really funny because they even comment on it being like, isn't there a better way to do this? And they're like, no, this is just kind of the way we got to do things. And I know that we always hate it on Frypan's name because we're like, what's the philosopher behind Frypan? Who is the philosopher behind Zart? (laughs) (laughs) They're all named after philosophers. And scientists, yeah. Yeah, So, I don't know. We, again. And it's Risa. I don't know. Arthur. Is, they, is Teresa named like after Mother Teresa, I think? Oh, is she really? I, that's what that's, I was that's thinking. Not, that's what I, I was like, thought. that's not like a scientist or anything. Because like, I don't know. Oh. Arthur, you got any ideas for the Zart origin? Do you, do you think you know where Zart comes from? <laughs> Absolutely no idea. Uh, although I feel like maybe there could be like some Roman, some Roman figure maybe who has a name like, like a full name, but then the name gets shortened to Zart. Like Dotalonius yeah. or something like that. That's my yeah. Opinion. I can definitely see that. I like to imagine Zart just stands for zesty fart. Yeah, um, that's my so, favorite scientist. Anyways, our boy Zart is struggling in the box until one day George comes back and he's like, "Welcome to the Glade." And George and his buddy Nick kind of seem like they're like higher ups in the Glade, and mm-hmm. they're out one day running. And Nick and George come back, and there's a scuffle that Thomas doesn't really know what's going on, but Albie is punching George because George tried to bite him. Yeah. And this is when we think see things go very badly in the maze. Very quickly. Thomas gets a front row seat to watch George yet again being being a menace, attacking Albie, and he has to watch Albie kill him with a spear. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty nuts. George is like, they stung me, and um, Frypan, who we learn at this point is was named Siggy for Sigmund Freud, is like, wait, 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 I saw a needle come up with food yesterday. Maybe that'll help. And yeah. folks, that doesn't help George. George just gets worse to the point that Albie does yeah, have to stab him, have like to Laura said. Through the neck. Yeah, and it's so funny because- In like, the neck, um, yeah. I think my my favorite thing of this scene is like Thomas was so struck that like something stung um George like he was like stung that's the worst thing that could happen and it's like really that's the like most horrific action to that could happen here yeah and this post-apocalyptic landscape yeah yeah but he is shocked he is gagged and gooped by all of this Thomas having a hard time. He's like, I got to go find some answers. So he shows up to the Wicked Conference room and he knocks on the door and Dr. Page is like, well, we kind of mutated a version of the flare and it takes a hold of the immunes. And we just want to kind of see what happens when a griever strikes them with it. Okay. But the serum hasn't been perfected yet. That is important. They're just kind of they're just kind of messing around. So wait literally. a minute. Wait a minute. I have a question because we know in the last book the flare mutates on its own. It does it quickly. And now we're hearing that the grievers stick people with a mutated version of the flare. And they have a serum clearly in the first book that solves it. So couldn't they just try this <gasps> serum on a bunch of cranks and it would work on some of them hypothetically? Oh my god, Laura. Damn. Oh. I'm Did- good at this, y'all. <laughs> oh my. Laura, you're Did just. They- oh my god. You're, you're catching all the troubles. They really did not figure out why didn't they not try the serum from the maze? I feel like that was like either James Dashner planted oh. that for people like us to figure out, or, or he just was like, no, it's different. 
it's different. And it's like, no, this is the world you wrote. I'm backing it up with your own details. Wow. That's crazy. Well, anyways, the Glade is slowly, <laughs> slowly coming together. That is, no, seriously, that is nuts. Uh, yeah, I'm going to think about that for a while, I think. And Thomas is just in classes or watching his friends. That's really all that goes on. When Wicked one day, they bring in a new subject, Ben, who you might remember from the original Maze Runner, kind of lost his mind and tries to attack Thomas. Oh, yeah. And he's here from the elusive Denver, the the foreign place where all of the immunities live. And Thomas is confused because Ben says his parents, they don't have the virus. And he was actually ripped away from him. And Thomas is like, whoa, 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 whoa. They're not supposed to do that. Yeah. And he's like, well, at least, you know, your parents didn't get killed like newts, basically. <laughs> yeah. Thomas isn't good at being a good tour guide. He would do horrible no. on college campuses. No, because he stops his tour to be like, you know what? I got to go watch my little my little system right now uh, because Galley's on the screen and Galley's got a weird look on his face. And Galley just like sacrifices himself to a griever for no reason. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, local weirdo sacrifices himself to the graver. He goes out yeah. and stands on the face. The great paper came out the next day with that headline. Daddy goes to some of crap <laughs> and the series and suddenly rolls. Yeah, then that's Galley. That's Galley. He's our, right. our resident weirdo. And the boys have to administer some serum to him. And Ben, you know, the guy who Thomas is supposed to be attending to, sees this and he's obviously a little upset. But Thomas is like, no, 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 no. It's okay. Everything's fine here. And it's not. But Thomas does find a research tablet and he goes through it later that night. And this is when Thomas, if he has any idea that Wicked might be bad, this is where it really gets uh, summarized that it is because he learns the virus was man-made and was administrated to people for population control and it got out of hand. And this is when Thomas is like, oh, so they're, we're the bad guys. Finally, he's realizing that. Finally, he got there. Yep, yep, then. Um, yeah. There's a scene shortly after this where, like, it's it's winter and, like, Thomas, Teresa, and Chuck are hanging out outside just to get some fresh air. Uh, and Chuck's being his goofy little self. And there's a literal line that says, Chuck oinked like a little pig. And that made everyone <laughs> feel better because that's what Chuck does. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? I guess he said supposedly Justin in the group, the class clown comedian. Can you imagine if that was his tick when he's scared? They're like out here right now. They're going for a walk. There's snow in May. They see a Randall, a sick Randall coming up and he's like got the flare and Chuck's just oinking like a pig. It's like his, his tick when he's afraid. Can you imagine? That'd be something. That'd be really funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, that is um, um, essentially, um, oh my gosh, where did I, I lost my notes. Oh, um, this is when they, they've just gone outside. Randall's got the flares, yes. which is yes. not, is spelling a lot of turmoil for the rest of this book. Yeah, um, yeah. Dr. Page is like, hey, so things are bad. Randall has the flare. Um, so it's time for the purge. <laughs> Yes, this is crazy. This is a crazy scene. So once again, we think they're probably maybe like eleven at this point. In the I think they're. Timeline. I think since the maze has started, 
and it's maybe like uh oh it's still like early in so they'd be like 14 at this point because thomas is 16 when he's in the maze okay. so he's probably 14 so a bit older so, so they, Dr. Page... kids, but a teenager you know so yeah. imagine a 14 year old you just got your learner's permit and this person is like, we need you to sneak into the chancellor's chambers, get records to see whose blood tests say they got the flare. And they were going to do a little insane thing where we have you kill all of them. So Dr. Page grabs Aris and Rachel and she's like, listen, you guys are immune. We're going to send you into this sector D and give you needles to plunge into these people's necks. My colleagues, because they're, yeah. gonna, they're immune and they're going to kill them. These 14-year-olds. Yeah. yeah, and they're like, okay. So, like, they don't really, like, my, I'm shocked that they, at no point are they really like, isn't there a better way to do this? Because even the way that they're enacting this purge is clunky because it's like they all get, like, one different weapon and they kind of have to, like, pass the baton back to each other. Like, they have to mm -hmm. use the launcher grenade and then they have to stun the other guy with this thing and then they have to get the syringe out and take the protective cap off of it and then stab it into the person and that's what kills them. Like, yeah. there has to be a better way. It's a rudimentary scheme, definitely. But you know what? Wicked, Wicked apparently just wants to get this over with and they don't have any better plans, seemingly. I don't know. Yeah. <gasps> yeah, why not just, like, light the place on fire? But anyways, I guess all of the kids besides Thomas has some... Thomas has hesitance. The other kids don't. They all go in. And at first, they kill the Chancellor, Chancellor Anderson. He's barely alive. He's got two fingers left on his, his hand. Yeah, this is, a, this is one of the point. most gra graphic scenes, I think, in the book. Like, yeah. When, when, oh, when it's like, yeah. oh, he bit off eight of his fingers. And it was just like, I, I, when, it, when they first go into the room, and it was like, okay, well, we're searching for Anderson. Where is he? I was like, okay, something frightening is going to happen here. But I was, my brain was not heading in that specific direction of score. I was like body horror with fingers. I know. Yeah. And he's using his two fingers to write out a memo that is essentially saying to the, all of their colleagues that Wicked is evil, they should just let nature win, let the immunities back in. And he also says to Thomas that they're going to take out his brain in the end. And, and he, also does, he also does tell Thomas that he hopes his fingers were tasty. So like, maybe we can we trust this guy? <laughs> Maybe he's a genius. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Thomas plunges the thing into his neck and kills him, and they're on to the next one. They got to go kill yeah. more people. I want to pause on this for a second because it was like, Thomas, the most apprehensive, steps up immediately and is like, I got to be the one to kill this guy. When it's yeah. like, wait, Thomas, are, were you really as apprehensive and the good guy? Because you're the one being like, I'm going to do the bidding here, everyone. Okay. I guess he was just so Interesting hot in the over time. Exactly. Yeah, why isn't he the one holding the launcher grenade like uh yeah. Aris and Rachel are? Yeah, Thomas. How 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 guilty do you feel? Um you didn't have to pick that role. There's four other options here. Yeah, Teresa's got the gun. Teresa's the mo most bloodthirsty. So they're going oh, to the yeah. next room. They have to kill five people and there's two in the hallway being crazy. They, you guessed it, kill these people because Rachel and Aris uh, disable them with the launchers. And then there's 17 left. Yeah. And then it moves pretty quickly that it's like the next room had 11 and they killed 11. And then it's like, okay. And then they got the, the, the last two tackled Teresa. Thomas saves her because that's what Thomas does. Save the girl. Um, and, 
And then they're all dead. And Dr. Levitt. Dr. Levitt they is kill... one of the pranks. Yeah. Yep, they kill Dr. Levitt, who was uh, choking Teresa, all before lunch. Yeah. All in a day's work. Now they got their lunch break. Yeah. Right. Honestly, I love when we get to wake up early and be so productive that by lunchtime, everything's done. <laughs> They probably have room for yoga. They got, yeah. they got so much the rest of their day. Okay, and I'll be honest, because they mention, yeah, they mention the purge a few times throughout the like the initial trilogy, and the way they made the purge sound there that it was like a days long, huge thing, and it's like the purge was only killing nineteen people in three hours, really. Mm-hmm. That was the purge. Yeah, I mean, okay, it's just interesting. It's just interesting. It's interesting. Also, I would say the purge it kept reminding me of the horror movie franchise, as in the purge. You know, yeah, movies. yeah. I mean, it's like they're not going to be punished for this for sure. They're actually being encouraged to do this <laughs> by the government, which is the purge. <laughs> Makes you think. Like- but this event really fucks up Thomas. He doesn't watch Screens of the Maze often. I mean, he still does. Yeah. You know, it's like weaning yourself off something you really like. Um, but he does notice Newt is hurt. And he kind of pieces together from Eclipse what happens. And we know what happens. We've read the old books. But Newt, to sum it up, was moseying around the glade one day in the graveyard, contemplating death, as you do, having an existential crisis. And he mm-hmm. goes into the maze and he climbs up the side of the walls in the vine. And he's like, I hope you're happy to the beetle that is watching him. And he jumps off the walls trying to kill himself. Yeah. It's really sad. It's, yep. Yeah. That's but he's, he is, he, he does survive like instantly. Like he's not, doesn't even pass out. He just lands and is like, screw you guys. And he's, yeah. he breaks his leg. Yeah, and just, oh. He does. Which, bad, yeah. I don't know how they fix it, but I mean, they somehow fix his leg. Well, no, he, they said he had a limp in the, in the first book. Oh, I was imagining he was yeah. laying there and had like a broken leg. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, but Teresa's gonna knock on Thomas's door now and be like, "Hey, did you read these two really weird memos?" And the first one is from Thomas saying, "I did the purge. Me. It was only me, and it had to be done." Ava Page is chancellor now. Congratulate her when you see her walking in the hallways or in the break room. <laughs> And then the second one is a really well-written note from Chancellor Anderson being like, well, things got out of hand. And Thomas is like, this is weird because I read Chancellor Anderson's goodbye note. And also the purge was not my idea. And he goes to Dr. Page and she's like, hey, I had to wrote that to like put people's minds at ease. Um, And it's just kind of like, oh, okay. Like he doesn't really like fight back or anything with it. He's just kind of like, you should have asked me first. And she's like, yeah, okay. And he's like, okay. (laughs) It seems like a really easy conclusion. She's like, oh, I was just using it as a bridge between the old and new organization. He was like, that makes sense. Again, oblivious. Come on. Thomas, I'm so ignorant. I know, seriously. Thomas uh, is sad. Just wants a normal life. Him and Teresa are growing distant. They're growing distant. Weeks are going by. Um, now it's one month before Chuck is going in, so he's losing his little assistant. He's really sad, but we do get an introduction to some characters we know in the past. Dr. Page has a meeting with people and Thomas and Teresa and introduces Jorge and Brenda to them. And I, I, I really, I really think introducing these characters here 
is not a good, it wasn't a good writer's choice because they were introduced in the second book. And then like Thomas obviously like has memories coming back and like Brenda's like really introducing herself to Thomas and like all of this. So the fact that in those books, she never mentioned like we've actually met before was really, really off putting to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That is annoying. (laughs) Yeah. It is. It's very but, um, confusing yeah. because obviously Brenda's much older than them. They're getting like established jobs in Wicked, making their age gap relationship weird. She says that they're going to work together soon. Brenda and Hori are going to the Scorch and she think it would have value to them to have them there to monitor long distance effectiveness, which is very suspicious. But Thomas yeah. is having a goodbye breakfast with Chuck the next day, so he can't think about this too much yeah, a lot is going on he says goodbye to chuck a lot yeah. is happening uh chuck and him have this breakfast chuck is like what happens when i'm there does this just go on forever and it's kind of like their final goodbye that we didn't really get in the first one which yeah is is kind of a nice closure and thomas is like i hear they're close to getting a blueprint and then we'll be reunited which Thomas doesn't know that, but that yeah, is fine. Thomas is really just feeding it to him. Um, <laughs> but then Thomas is suddenly on the Berg with Brenda and Jorge, and Thomas does not like being on the Berg. He says it makes it, his tummy feel weird. Um, but Brenda and yeah, and he's really only going so they can like still see if they can track his brain when he like goes far away. So they're trying to be like, if we stay here, do we still get to see what's going on there? Um, and so, yeah, he's literally like going there just to come straight back, which I was like, that's kind of hilarious. Um, but Brenda and Thomas. Another test. Yeah. Yes, I know. But Brenda and Thomas have like this weird, like talk and Brenda's like, you should let love into your life. Oh my Uh, God. Yeah. It's weird. And then she's like, like, be nicer to Teresa. She cares a lot about you. Yeah. And then she's like, okay, bye. See you guys when you get to the scorch for phase two. And Thomas is like, phase two. There's another step? And I was like, Thomas, I guarantee you could have found this information at any point in time. (laughs) I know. It's insane that Brenda was like, it's a real bummer that they're bringing your friends here next. Brenda. Yeah. Letting letting that detail slip out. And like, and like, was that meant to be on purpose? Was that, was she doing that on purpose as like another variable? I don't know. Yeah. Maggie and I have talked a lot about our motives, like more like bad. Like, what are what are her actual motives? Like, is she genuinely just no thoughts, head empty? I don't, I don't, know. I don't think so. I, don't think I think there's so. more going on. I think she 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 and Teresa are like that. But like they they both have their the secrets going on, their motives. You know, they're both working behind the scenes. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Thomas, he gets there. They say goodbye. There's a flat trans there. Excuse me. He is going to go immediately through this flat trans, gets to the other side, and everyone's like, yay, it worked. You're back. Let's all head to the main building. Um, and Thomas is like, I'm going to walk through the woods because I would love to be outside in some cool, fresh air because the scorch was too hot. He um, needs to think. I mean, he's just asked Dr. Page about this phase two thing. And like, yeah. he's now like, you know what? I'm gonna go into the maze to save my friends. So he's gotta take a walk to really. How's he think. gonna do that? We don't know, but he's gonna get there and figure it out. He also wants to convince them to let him into the maze with his memories. I was like, buddy, good luck. Yeah. That's not gonna happen. 
Um, so he gets back home to Alaska and he is going to mull on how he's going to get weapons to people in the maze. He's going to take this little walk. He's got two guards who are walking with him um, this path. And they're like, you know what, Thomas, buddy, we haven't seen many cranks out here, but we should hurry because it's cold. They spoke too soon because Randall, resident crank of the woods, shows up immediately. <laughs> uh, and he immediately, I think we he, he kills one of them instantly because one of them just plain old disappears. Yeah. Um, and then Thomas and Randall have to fight. Thomas calls Teresa for backup. Um, it's an unnecessary action sequence of, of just everything. But um, yeah, yeah, it seems like Thomas ends up killing Randall and it's like his first up close kill because he hits him with the launcher and then crushes his face with a gun. Yeah. And he's really shaken up by this. He's like, yeah. Teresa, they are never going to find the cure. So yeah, listen, like, I have a lot planned. He was like, I was fine killing the 20 other cranks before lunch the other day. But Randall in the woods is the one that's really weighing on me. Yeah, it's just whacking, whacking the, 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 the weapon down on his head. You know, that's the one that traumatizes him the most out of oh all of the cranks. Which is kind of crazy because it's like Randall wasn't even nice to you. Yeah, like why would you feel bad? Who knows? I don't know. But he's giving Teresa the lowdown on his plan, which is like, listen, I'm thinking we convince them to send us into the maze for a bit and figure out stuff in the meantime out here, like how to shut down the grievers, place weapons near the maze exit, map out a town we can escape to. And then if we go in with our memories, we're going to know that. We got to do this for Chuck. And Teresa's yeah. in. She's like, okay, I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. So he's he's kind of really hoping he can plot a real escape uh, with that. Um, and Dr. Page approves of this. She thinks, like, this will be a great way to wrap up the maze trials and get kickstarted on the next phase. Um, and everything's uh, all set. And then, It's looking pretty good. Teresa's yeah. given a code to find weapons near the maze. They have all this knowledge on what to do. There's a town, like, 30 miles away they can escape to. Yeah, and then Teresa and Thomas are, like, they have a little cuddle session and, like, talk about it the night before they're supposed to get everything started. So... We've yeah. never gotten a kiss in this series. It was all kissing on the cheeks. They're hugging and crying. Oh, yeah. And laying down to fall asleep. But no, Maggie, they kissed in Scorch Trials. And they kissed uh, oh. They kissed a few times in Scorch Trials. I thought they kissed once. Which, like, does that even count? Because the kissed, government was controlling her. They kiss in the tunnel, and then they kiss again okay. uh, as they're going down to catch up with the other group with Aris. Because I was thinking of Brenda and Thomas kissing. Him. I was thinking of Brenda and Thomas. Yeah. But, okay, Lisa... Brenda and Thomas don't kiss. They never kiss, and thank God. I mean, this is him on the cheek, and it's, like, implied. But Teresa and Thomas do kiss. Okay, you are right. I guess there was no emotion behind it, so I was always like, do those kisses count? Yeah. 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 There was emotion in the first one, though. Yeah, the romance, I think the romance never truly, like, blossoms fully. You know what I mean? I feel like... There could have been more of the romantic yeah. vibes. It's very, it's much more focused yeah. on the gritty action and the stress and the anxiety. You yeah, know? I, I, I like. I would have loved if they really gave more time to like Teresa and Thomas as like a relationship rather than like throwing Brenda in and making it like this weird like love triangle. Yeah, um, yeah, because also like. I don't, we talked about this in, in our last episode too, that James Dashner doesn't really write female characters well. So they all are kind of yeah. similar. So to basically have Brenda and Teresa just be very 
similar like acting towards Thomas and talking so it's not really much of a love triangle it's just like Brenda's older and Teresa's younger like Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so Dr. Page is giving him tea to calm him down because she's like we can't tell you everything now that you're also going into the maze and the tea's making him feel a little tingly a little dizzy and Dr. Page is like Ha ha, little do you know, it was me who infected the Chancellor and his staff, and they wanted to stop after the maze trials, but I wouldn't let them. So Dr. Page is bad. Dr. Page yeah. is pretty fucked sus. up. I was always sus, yeah. you know, even when she gave him that tea, I was like, oh no, that tea is gonna, it's gonna put him Right. Yeah, yeah and... She has a lot of questions on Brenda, because Brenda, the whole book was like, trust Ava Page. Exactly. And then Thomas is, has to go get prepped for the swipe. So they're going to take his memories. This is also a little contradictory to the, like, what is canon in the first book? Because like when Thomas does start getting his memories back, like he references, like knowing his memories were going to get erased. And like when he went into the maze and like knowing his memories were going to get erased. So again, a little bit of a plot hole issue here, but we're near the end of the book so i guess we just gotta accept it (laughs) we have a montage of memories he's a boy with his dad reading a book some more memories walking with his mom holding hands playing tag and he's losing all of these memories as the book ends on an epilogue from ava page and she's thanking the staff for their work on inserting the elite people into the mazes she says the final candidates are Teresa and aris and praises their loyalties which made me think, okay, they're snakes. They're turncoats. Yes. Yeah. But then they, like, weren't. It was weird. Because then, like, because we know by the end of the other books, they, they were, like, great. We're all escaping. So, I don't know. And that's all um, hiding. But we also hiding, all, yeah. hiding, hiding the secret. Yeah, yeah. I know. Because, like, Teresa yeah. dies in the name of saving Thomas. And it's like, when did this change then if you were a snake the whole time? Well, it's really confused because after this, Teresa sends out an email with an, I'm happy Aris and I keep our memories to coordinate with you guys, aka Wicked. And I promise mm-hmm. to keep my role a secret, which is acting on Wicked's behalf. I will write, Wicked is good on my arm to convince to the Gladers when I enter. And that made me really confused. So is yeah. Teresa bad? I know. I know. It's like, I think this was like the this past like kill order and this is a prequel where to give us some more like color into like why Teresa was so like wicked is good wicked is good but with the way the first three books played out it's really hard to understand where Teresa stands and this just makes us question it even more because by the end of the third book Teresa's like yeah like I've always been on your side this is why I'm fighting with you yeah um and it's so it's like this is it's it's just weird. It's just weird. Again, I have a lot of questions. I'm I, a lot of processing going on. Understandably, and yes. I, it makes you wonder like, has she maybe evolved over time to be like, oh, at first I was fighting for Wicked, but now I'm fighting for you guys, for you, Thomas, and for yeah. all of the Gladers. I mean, maybe. yeah. And it's like Ava Page was supposed to be the good character because even Brenda, like the entire thing was, you gotta trust Ava Page. Ava Page sends them to to like the paradise at the end of book three so like again what changes with ava page um why did why did she have to be evil here because she was supposed to be like the person who saved everybody at the end of the third book like i know i have no idea that's interesting i feel like i almost feel like it's a series trying to take a you know take a crack at making complex characters who are neither good nor bad or just in the the middle they're morally gray 
However, I don't know if yes. it really succeeds at that. It, it, it's trying to be Molly Gray, I feel like, but I don't know if it's really successful. Yeah. yeah. I think this, like, this series definitely struggles in a way that it's, like, it always makes a character, like, all one thing. And, like, the, like, the thing, like, Thomas is always this golden boy that saves everybody. But, like, Thomas has, like, no flaws then. Yeah. Other than the fact that, like, we think he's stupid. But I don't think that was supposed to be the flaw that he was given. Mm -hmm. Like, we kind of try to make, like, I think. And then he just tries to, like, shift it all of a sudden with, like, no rhyme or reason. So, mm -hmm. Just, uh, yeah, a lot of things to think about and some inconsistencies with, like, both plot and just, like, character actions based on, like, things. the way that they've been introduced and written for us thus far. Yes. And it seems like that is where the book The Fever Code ends. Um, we just got in a, quite a lot of thoughts on The Fever Code, but yeah. I guess, Arthur, um, what were your kind of wrap-up feelings on the Maze Runner and this book in general? On the Maze Runner series, I, so for that first, I think I'm just like, you know, this can't be, this can't be fun. I feel like if you just click your brain off, if you want to just want to dive mm -hmm. into it, when, once you turn for your sure. brain on though, Absolutely. that's when you run into problems with, with like the plot holes or like how the characters are written. And yeah. just yeah. all of those issues that you tend to run into if you are reading a YA dystopian series that is tropey and and then as for as for as a fever code specifically again mm -hmm. like you know i i was you know i was constantly engaged with the book it's not like i was ever bored you know and i even i rated this three stars on goodreads you know it's not you know it's in the, it's in the middle that's the best book i've ever read that's the worst book i've ever read but you know especially after you bring out the plot horse laura it is also like oof damn it really does it really does cause yeah. some, it, it brings up some issues for the whole series to grapple with. But again, it's engaging, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, you know, I was able to read it. And I, I, and I enjoyed spending time with some of the characters, like Shuck, you know, that was, that was really good, you know, mm -hmm. and, and hard ranting yeah. as well, devastating. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, that's a really good uh, analysis of it. Like this, if you turn your brain off and just go along for the ride, super fun. If you think too much, then you realize a lot of things. <laughs> I did enjoy getting to spend a little bit more time with these characters. And just like spending more time with the characters, you get to spend more time with us because we are starting our top five segment. And the top five for the Fever Code was we thought it'd be kind of fun to see the top five crank pit activities. What are they doing down there? Yeah, let's it go. Could be anything. Let's, hey, we know they're losing their minds. We can at least give them some things to do to pass the time. Let's occupy themselves. Yes. As they should. And I'm going to start this one off at number five. I don't even know how to play this, but I think Cranks could excel at this. I want to see them play bocce ball. I, I agree. I also don't really understand what bocce ball is <laughs> or why. how it's played, but I think the Cranks would love it. <laughs> I love that the three of us, no one knows what bocce ball is, but we're like, it ranks on our list for the top five. That is so funny. Something fun, um, you know, whatever it is. Whatever it is. Yeah, right? Uh, coming in at number four, um, and this is per per Arthur's suggestion. I feel like I feel like Arthur should give this one since it was Arthur's. Yeah, Arthur, did you have our top five written down? Uh, if not, we could definitely say it. Uh, is it is it dancing? The dancing is awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's the yes. disco ball dancing, the dancing. Disco ball dancing. Yes, it's, you know something to have like maybe a nightclub esque environment. You know, with just some dancing, some music to have some fun. 
just you know move those bodies. That's, that's I think it would liven life up. I think they really. I think it would really just help them channel in all of the emotions that are just flowing through their brain and their bodies. Um, number three, mm-hmm. um, taking a page out of say like an outdoor restaurant um, or just any sort of game room. A giant Jenga could be really fun. It's a great you know just big physical activity to get to just really challenge their brains that are um, regressing so quickly. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, and then. What else would Giant Jenga not be complimented with? But some good old-fashioned, our number two, roller skating. You ever seen a crank in in wheels? Crank on wheels. We saw what happened with the crank in the uh, the trans vice in book four. We can only imagine what would happen (laughs) with a crank on roller skates. And maybe even even organizing the long roller derby league and inventing some of that, some of that theory, some of that wildness. Exactly. Absolutely. Only good things can come from this. I think they would love roller derby. Um, and then coming in at number one, uh, we think that they should have maybe the old set of Chopped or another cooking show, um, so that they can not only cook for themselves, but they can also have their own cooking reality TV shows in the the crank pits or the crank palaces or wherever the cranks are gathering. Yeah. We'll have, exactly. we'll have some delicious dishes. That's just self-explanatory. <laughs> I don't know if I can think of a name for it. I was just thinking of Crank Town, like Flavor Town. I don't got yeah. really anything important for the cooking reality show, but I would like but, to see know, it. They, it's not our job to come up with a name for their cooking show. They're owning this, you know? <laughs> cooking Cranks. Crank Cooker. Oh, Cooking with the Cranks. That's fun. Cooking Cranks is so good. CC. Like, you know, when you CC someone on an email. And it's that. Aw, that's so cute. Um, okay, and to wrap up this episode, we all have to talk about our canceled character. Let's okay. give some nominees. I'm gonna start with I'm gonna nominate uh Dr. Turing Chancellor Ava Page. Um, I get that she was like a good guy in the first three books. I don't I, I'm still processing a lot how to feel about her, but the fact that she was the one who put the order in for the um the virus doesn't sit well with me. No. Honestly, I think I would also go with Ava Page. Um, I was at first going to say Randall because he was kind of mean. But, I mean, Ava Page yeah. was was the big turncoat. That was the whole device. So Yeah. yeah. What about you, Arthur? Any thoughts on a canceled character for the week? It's funny that you're all saying Ava Page because I was like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick her too. You know, And I was thinking anyone yeah. else, you know, maybe who was like, oh, you know, bothersome, like maybe Randall or, or Dr. Levitt or anyone else. But I was like, no, it's like, you know, Paige, Dr. Paige was one who was, uh, you know, pulling all the strings and just being like, betraying the, the teenagers and the kids. And it's just like, oh no. In the end, she mm-hmm. ends up sending Thomas into the maze and wiping away his memories. And that was always soft, was it? I, I said this earlier on. Yeah. Always soft, was it? Yeah. So that's my pick. Wow. That, I, was an, that was an easy agreement between all of us. I love that. Yeah. And oh, yeah. it is it is definitely Ava Page as our canceled character. Oh, 100%. Um, and that that is going to be the end of the fever code for us. Um, thank you, Arthur, for joining us. If you want to let them know where uh, they can find you on Twitter or where they can get Two Cent Critic at. Um, yeah. You want to give your yeah. handles and whatnot. Yes, definitely. And first, I want to thank you very much for letting me be on here again. It's like, you know, really entertaining time. 
And just notice if you want to find me on Two Cents Critic, you can, you know, go to the, go check out the podcast, you know, go check out the reviews and recaps of books, movies, and TV shows. Uh, you can find me on the, my podcast on Twitter and Instagram at two underscore cents critic. You can follow my, my personal accounts on Twitter, GoodPods, StoryGraph, Letterboxd, and TikTok at author underscore and 18. You can find me on Goodreads at author Howell. You can email me at email two cents critic at yahoo.com. And my blog is at two cents critic.com. And that's all of the two cents critic crap, you know, and just, you know, check it out if you want some movie, oh, yeah. TV show content. Love awesome. it. Awesome. Nice. Thank you again, Arthur. Um, yeah, everybody check out Two Cents Critic. It is uh, so fun. Um, and this is the part where Maggie and I wrap up the episode. So speaking of email, because uh, I know that was one thing that Arthur listed off, you can email us too at present at gmail.com. Send us an email. We'd love it. Yes, you can also find us on Twitter and TikTok at yawereddit. And on Instagram, we are Maggie underscore and underscore Laura and, and I. Oh, oh sorry, Mickey, I no, you go. Sorry, you I have something to say. say. I was going to say, and we're going to be back next week with our final thoughts on everything we read this season. But oh, if yeah. you have something to say before that, you should do that. Yep, and that's going to be the end of our episode. Thank Yay. you for tuning in. Yay. Yeah, thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye.